You're listening to episode 67 of Alexa in Canada, the voice experience. She's got, She's skills. got skills. My name's Terry Fisher, and here's the deal. Voice technology is changing so fast, and I'm trying my best to keep up with it. I'm here to learn everything I can about Alexa, so you and I can figure her out, and so we can make our lives more organized, relaxed, stress-free, and even have some fun. Let's learn some skills. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Alexa in Canada. Today, I've got a fantastic speaker, fantastic guest, Emily Binder. Emily is a leading voice marketing strategist and a consultant to brands. She is the founder of Beetle Moment Marketing, a voice-first marketing agency, and she helps brands reach customers in this voice-first world. She is a frequently sought-after speaker. Uh, she got rave reviews at the Alexa conference for her for her talks about uh, marketing in this voice-first world, and I think you truly are in for a great treat in this discussion with Emily. We cover it all. We cover her background, of course. We talk about why she is so uh, enthusiastic about voice. We go into a little bit about sonic branding, and we even give the example of MasterCard. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but we'll talk a little bit about that. And we talk about flash briefings and why uh, we both think that flash briefings are such an incredible opportunity when it comes to getting your brand's voice heard in the voice first world. So let's jump right into the interview here with Emily Binder. Well, it's great to have Emily Binder with us today on the podcast. Emily, thanks so much for uh, joining myself and the listeners. You're welcome. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, thanks. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, I had a chance to uh, chat with you a little while back. We met through the common interest of some voice marketing and flash briefing stuff, and a lot has changed even in that in that short time. But before we get into any of that, maybe you can introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Emily Bender. I'm a voice marketing strategist. I've been in marketing for over a decade, and I started out with a heavy focus on social media and content marketing. And in the last couple years, I have shifted my focus onto voice. So that's what I really work on the most with my clients now. And I also still do some social media stuff. I still think it's relevant, but you know, ultimately it's heading into more of a voice first world, not voice only, but I, I'm really excited about everything to do with voice. I guess I kind of caught the bug and I've just been diving really deep into it. So that's, yeah, that's what I do. I'm a, a consultant to brands. That's great. And so just to kind of expand on that, I think that leads in nicely to, to a particular question I wanted to ask you is, so why did you catch this bug? Because I know a lot of us are catching the bug, myself included. What do you think is so compelling about voice? I was one of those early adopters back in 2014. So we talk about the voice first era beginning around the time of the first gen Echo coming out, the big black cylinder. I had one. Someone gifted it to me. I was lucky to get my hands on one early. And it kind of clicked for me because coming from a marketing background, if you can remove friction and hassle and get people answers or solutions faster with less pain or anxiety or trouble, you'll win. I mean, we've seen that happen with most advancements in technology. So I thought, okay, this has got to be the future. This is the new way that we'll compute. Don't know what that looks like just yet, but I just, I feel it. I know this is it. This is the next 
consumer technology. And then lo and behold, it's the fastest growing consumer technology of all time. Absolutely. And it's really, I know, I know you've shared that particular graph and I, I know it's been shown at a number of different conferences. So if people aren't familiar with that, do you want to just, um, maybe describe that, that particular graph that if you know what I'm talking about, the one that shows the slopes of the different technologies. So people have oh, an idea yeah. of what we're talking about. Yes. Oh, the, the popular chart from the Alexa conference that's been making the rounds. It shows the adoption of consumer technology in the U S from the time of in, introduction to the market and then until it reaches whether it's 25 or 50% penetration. So you can see with computers, radio, internet, the smartphone, they all had quicker growing curves. It, it took, I believe the computer was something like, um, I don't have the graph in front of me, it, it was like 20 years to reach 20% of the population. And then you saw things growing faster and the television was adopted and the smartphone was adopted, got to like 50% penetration after about five years. But smart speakers reached 50% of the US population in just a couple years. So that curve is just almost a hockey stick. We've never seen anything like it. Absolutely. And uh, I, I saw a prediction recently, and maybe you saw this as well, that it's predicted that there will be approximately um, eight billion smart speakers in circulation within the next, I believe it was four to five years, but I think it was 2023. And when you consider that that's actually more than the population of the earth, I mean, that's just remarkable. We've never seen anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, we already are at a point where there are more mobile phones, smartphones than there are people on the planet. And it's, I mean, par for the course, of course, there will, there will be more smart speakers, more certainly voice assistant or voice assisted devices, because it's beyond just the smart speakers. It's smart home, it's light switches, it's security systems and thermostats. All of these devices that are voice activated count. That's right. That's right. So you you, you said an interesting, uh, or you made an interesting comment there. You said that, you know, social media, uh, I'm not sure what words you use there, but social media seems to be a little bit on its way out compared to voice. Can you expand on what you mean by that being a marketer? Sure. And I'm one of the few people that would say that. And most people might disagree with me on it. I was just at Social Media Week Austin and I spoke about voice, which doesn't have much to do with social media, but it is so timely and Frankly, people didn't, I was surprised. So we're in the voice first world. We're very much, you know, bathing in this all the time, but we forget a lot of people still don't even know what a flash briefing is. That's changing. They're getting more popular. I think with social media, ultimately, it's a really problematic business model. So look at the fact that it's all based on manipulation and feedback loops. We use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all of these products are ad supported. So the ads are served based on mining the user's data. And the thing about it, I mean, I'm not saying quit social media or that it's purely evil, but interestingly enough, if you look at executives and a lot of people in Silicon Valley, they won't let their own children use it because it makes people moody, depressed, cranky. And studies have shown that it's really like you think comparison is a thief. A lot of the things happening on social media are just about comparison and the highlight reel, but you don't always see the bloopers. So there's something very negative and nasty about it for society as a whole. And I think the power and beauty of voice is we can get off of these three-inch panes of glass that we're interacting with the world through, which is so limited, and our necks are craned down, and we're not experiencing life or looking up. I mean, we're crashing into fountains and malls. We're so thumbs deep. That's right. So people, like, there's a, a threshold, a breaking point where everyone's going to say, it's enough, enough of this already. I'm not really living when I'm spending 11 hours a day on my screen. That's really well said. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it makes me think of um, the idea of even just like the app store. 
with the apps that exploded 10 years ago. And it's interesting when I speak to people now and I say, like, when was the last time you downloaded an app? And a lot of people are telling me, you know, it's been a long time since I downloaded an app. And, you know, I, kind of, I have to wonder what's going on there. Are people experiencing some type of fatigue for apps? Have you looked into that at all or thought about that or had any discussions about that? Oh, yeah, definitely. In fact, you just reminded me of something. I think I tweeted this out like within the last week. It was some percentage of brands will abandon. Let me just look this up because this is a really great stat. Okay, it's by 2019, 20% of brands will abandon their mobile apps. That's from Gartner. Wow. Okay, so the beauty to this, like I, I, this was this perfect retort because I was recently at an event where a really major brand that I won't name, they were saying that they're going to invest more in their app and their only voice strategy is to make voice search within their branded app a little better, like the speech recognition. But huh. they don't have a strategy to be on Alexa or Google or Siri. They're just doing it all within their own app, like in that ecosystem, which is to me a complete miss and a mistake. Nobody wants to use your app. Like who has time to have all of these different apps? We just want one way, one voice assistant to rule them all, like one platform and just ask and it's done there. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. Uh, you know, when I, when I go to certain conferences and as, and as, I, as you know, I'm, I'm involved in the healthcare field and I see about all these companies that are producing or they're, they're creating or developing the latest app for engagement with, with their healthcare provider, that sort of thing. And in the back of my mind, I don't know if I've actually said this publicly, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you guys are investing in obsolete technology when they're mm-hmm. not adding the the voice element. And so maybe this segues nicely into you as a marketer and people are coming to you for advice. You know, if, if they have not even considered voice technology or they're, or they're just at you know, the, the, the beginning here, what are you telling them? What are you explaining to them? Where, why is this so important? It depends on the brand, how I would answer that. Here's an example. If it's an e-commerce brand, if you're selling anything online, you have to think a few years down the road. You can't look and say, here's how people are shopping today. So I'm sure that'll continue in the next year or two. It won't because shopping habits change. If you think about Blockbuster, why did Blockbuster fail? Well, Netflix came to them in the year 2000 and said, we're going to do online DVD rental and we want to partner with you. And then you can promote us in your retail stores and then we'll do the online portion. Blockbuster said, nope, nope, we're not into that. A few more years go by. Suddenly it's 2007. And Eventually, like 2010, Blockbuster fails. They go out of business because they said people like coming to our stores. People like the experience of uh, potentially running into their neighbor. (laughs) That was the big win of (laughs) like schlepping to the Blockbuster to get your video. No, Netflix ate their lunch and they they kind of looked down and down the down the pike and said people people want the convenience and the ease of use. So if you're any brand and you think, what's the easiest way to shop? I don't have to even type or open a screen, I can just use my voice wherever I am, whether it's at home, at the gym, in the car, at work, because the voice assistant will be pretty much accessible everywhere. So what you need to do to answer your question (laughs) is to optimize whatever kind of presence you have, whether that's your website or your Amazon listing if you're selling there. Um, Those are just a couple examples, but it's sort of like the new SEO, so optimizing for voice. And the other thing is, of course, to play in Amazon's ecosystem. And it's not just about Amazon, but they do still have dominant market share. So I would focus there first if you're just getting started. If you play in their ecosystem, that means create content. Amazon is rewarding third-party developers. They want all the content they can get. 
because there's 100 million of these devices out there. There are about 8,600 flash briefings. It's this teeny little scarcity model with a huge distribution platform. Right. So if your brand helps Amazon to build out that content, you'll be rewarded by the algorithm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... Well, you, you touched on a couple things there that I want to dive into a little bit more. Maybe, uh, and we'll definitely talk about the flash briefings. I want to um, also talk about an, an interesting concept that's come up in terms of voice because now, um, and, and I, I think I heard this at a conference once. When when somebody thinks of a brand, oftentimes the brand has created some type of persona around that brand. And they, you know, and, and if, if somebody asks some uh, another person, what does your brand stand for? What does your brand look like? Usually, if the if the brand has done a good job of this, you can sort of describe what that brand is. But now we're in a world where the brands have to start thinking about what does the brand sound like. And I wonder if you can touch a little bit about that and this concept of now sonic branding and why that's so important. Yeah, that is really important. So finally, brands are starting to realize it's really important because everybody's talking about it. It's not necessarily new because we've had some audio marks and sonic logos in the past. There's many famous ones, but there's a renewed sense of urgency about it because if you don't have your own voice or sound, whose voice is it? It's Alexa's or it's Google's. And that's so generic and default. And it's the last thing you want. So with, um, with the persona thing, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think the best thing to do to approach this, think about having your audio logo or your entire Sonic brand. The Sonic brand is overarching. The audio logo is a portion of it, just like marketing is overarching and advertising is a portion of it. I think it's an analogy between the two. That's great. You yeah. need to have that. You need to have that audio logo for something like playing at the beginning of a flash briefing or to signal like MasterCard. Oh, my gosh. What they just did with that, that new Sonic logo is fantastic. Yes. Like that is so strong. I'm so excited to see that in action. Every time someone swipes a card, that six note will play. And they, they did it where it's different in every country. Like they have an Indian and a Mexican and uh, a U.S. version that sound kind of native to wherever they are. Um, so that would be an example of sonic branding uh and thinking about the personas so you should always have in in your mind exactly who your customer is to down to the like like a physical person in your mind that you picture so let's say that you're marketing to women in their 20s and you think okay i literally know what my customer looks like i've got a nickname for her her name is jolene she has red hair she likes to eat a salad for lunch she wears glasses because she thinks they're cool mm -hmm. and she really likes pinterest like you need to know all of these things about your exact customer to really build a product for that person and then if you can translate that to what is what kind of voice would appeal to her and then find somebody or create mechanically that voice that that becomes the voice of the brand that's great. And I actually haven't heard somebody explain it like that, where the, the sonic branding is the overarching one, then you've got your, your logo and that sort of thing. So that's great. That ma I'm, I'm glad you brought up that MasterCard one because that is really, really uh, a great example. Can, can you explain just a little bit more about what they actually did to listeners so that if, they, if they're not aware of what MasterCard did, then they kind of have a good understanding of I, I think it's a great example as well. Yes. So MasterCard, they, they introduced the audio branding. Just This was a week or two ago. And they have this six note. I think they used. Oh yeah, it was uh, Lincoln Park that they got. They got some like modern musicians to help with it. Right. And um, they they what's going to happen is it will play every time someone swipes their Mastercard, and then it will be present on other things like ads or 
any kind of social where there's audio. So people will start to associate that with the brand. And just like if you think of when you use Venmo or when you use any kind of payment app and there's that little cha-ching or cash register sound, Mm -hmm. you actually get this little physical sensation. It's, I think, probably a dopamine rush of like, oh, good, I've got money or Right. You know, it's almost like you've got mail. Right. That's another one from the past that. Right. I think if you were to do some nostalgia marketing with something like that, it could be pretty powerful. So I guess I'm going off track. But no, that's great. And it, it just shows that I think the, the more you net can now get that that audio logo, that that audio sonic branding out there, the more that your brand is going to be known. And um, and I think that's the way things are going. Um, let's talk about flash briefings as well. Uh, my listeners here will know that I'm I'm really really excited about flash briefings, and I know you are too. Maybe you can give us your ideas of, you know, what what quick quick rundown of what is a flash briefing if, if a listener doesn't know what that is. But also, why are you so uh, so excited about that area of marketing? A flash briefing is essentially a mini podcast, a briefcast, if you will. Briefcast.fm <laughs> has the best flash briefings. <laughs> Thanks. And. You can hear them every day on Alexa, on any Alexa device, including your smartphone, by the way, through the Amazon app. People who have Amazon Echo can say, Alexa, flash briefing, and that will play all of the flash briefings to which they have subscribed. When you subscribe to one, it's all just enabling a free briefing, just like if you subscribe to a podcast. And usually they're just about a minute long and they're in and out quick. You can hear news, weather, motivational quotes, gardening tips. Uh, information about B2B marketing. Like you can find whatever your niche is or your interest and look for a flash briefing about it. They're super powerful because it's warm, human, intimate audio going right into your customer's ear on pretty much a daily basis because the people who listen to them listen most days, especially during the week, during the work week. These serve as bookends to the day. So people often listen to them first thing in the morning while they're getting ready to leave the house or at night, maybe while cooking dinner. That's what the stats show are the peak listening times. And you can develop basically a relationship with your customer that is, I say, way more powerful than having someone subscribe to your email marketing list, any of your social feeds, or even like direct mail, because the the power of the human voice can't be beat. It's the fastest processed sense in the brain. It goes back to when we're in the womb, the only sensory experience we have is our mother's voice. So sound is our literal first language, your customer's first language. You can get into their ear and it's just such a warm touch. So the flash briefing is something I say is always like, that's table stakes. You have to have one of those. That's the first thing to do. It's like having a website. That's great. That's really interesting. So Tell us a little bit about, I know you've got a flash briefing and um, tell us about yours and uh, and what you cover and what was the process like in terms of making the flash briefing? Well, my flash briefing is called the Beetle Moment Marketing Flash Briefing and I've had it up for, I'm going on about a year now. So how did I get started with it? I was listening to flash briefings and then I realized I could make one myself. And I've been doing podcasts for probably almost 10 years on and off. So I'm very much in audio. I love sound. I'm, I'm an audio learner, if you were to say I'm anything. And um, I thought, okay, I'm going to make a marketing briefing. I looked. There weren't many, probably only one or two pages worth of results for marketing, which is unheard of. It's one of the most <laughs> yeah. competitive industries when it comes to any kind of online content. So I saw, okay, huge opportunity here. And I started just going and recording 
anything I was thinking about or learning or reading, the kind of things that I would normally tweet out, I started making them into flash briefings. The process was very bumpy at first. It was an absolute pain. It has gotten so much better even in the last year. The technology and everything behind it is a lot more user-friendly. Terry, you know when we first got started, I had this terrible snafu with my host that I will not name. And it just was like going down. It wasn't working. My RSS feed was all messed up. And I almost gave up on it, but I didn't. And I just stuck with it. Um, But the process is similar to recording a podcast. You just just had to kind of find your own way. Because if you even Googled how how to do a flash briefing, there were like four search results. Nobody was even that helpful. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. And so now can you give our listeners a couple of tips? What do you think are some of the best practices now with flash briefings, maybe length and and what you should include and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, the most important thing is brevity, in my opinion. I think 60 seconds is a real sweet spot. Two minutes, absolute tops. I tell my clients, don't go over two minutes, maybe a couple seconds over once in a while. But if it gets to be longer than that, it really should almost just be a mini podcast. The flash briefing is supposed to be in and out and people have maybe 10 or 15 they're subscribed to. They don't want to be stuck on yours for that long. And if it keeps going and dragging on, they'll skip it. So other best practices, be really consistent with it. This is not something you sign up to check the box and you like breeze in and put up a few a month because people will be annoyed by that. You need to be in there every day. Some people do it, um, not people, but news sources are like hourly. If you're a brand, if you're just a person, I would say every day, I think it's okay to skip Sundays in some cases. I have started skipping Sundays because I saw that there weren't a lot of listens on Sundays. So I figured I'll save the content and not waste it on a day when people aren't listening. So um, the brevity is is totally key. Consistency. And something else that makes it really fun is if you can have multiple voices on there. So here's an example. I have a client in New York. It's called Ritholtz Wealth Management. And they have a flash briefing that we created. It's called Market Moment. This is the fastest growing briefing in the business category. And I think one of the reasons is they have five different voices that kind of trade off based on which day it is and talk about this day in market history, stock market history. So it sounds different. It's diverse. It's really interesting and you never get bored. And so just just like putting that jolt of creativity into there um, and just sticking with it. Like you don't ever want to set somebody up with an expectation for a certain cadence and then be absent when they're expecting to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more as with that as well. I, you know, I, I often will tell people that it's like a radio station. If there's a radio station like listening to and you and you listen to it daily in the morning and then all of a sudden you, you turn it on one day and they're just they're not there. Like how long are you actually going to stick with going back to that radio station? You're going to abandon it. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I've, and I've heard that as well from another flash briefing where they have different people come in on different days. And I agree with you. I think it, it creates, um, some nice variety. And, and, and you also, you touched on the creativity aspect. This is such a new area that there's, there are so many, uh, ways that you can be creative at this point. There's so many different things that you can try with flash briefings that people haven't even thought of yet. So it's a real opportunity to let your create your creativity shine as well. That's true. I, I think we could do more with calls to action. So I'm careful with that because I never want to be pushed or salesy and say, oh, go visit my website or sign up for my webinar or anything like that. I just try to provide value and maybe be a little entertaining. But I think once in a while it is okay to say, you know, I'm doing a cool contest or a giveaway or, you know, tweet me this week about whatever you thought was the most interesting thing you heard about regarding voice and the best one will be featured next week. There's ways we can do more to get people to interact, kind of like early 
marketing from Howard Gossage, who pioneered interactive marketing with mailing in tickets or stubs uh, through the mail like back in the 60s. And that became the modern interactive marketing of everything we do on social media. I think we could do that with voice too. Yeah, no, I, again, again, really, really great stuff, Emily. Um, I think that's that's a great place where we should end it. Emily, thanks so much. Please tell listeners again, uh, where can they find uh, you? Where can they find what you're doing and your resources that you have where they can learn more about marketing from from your perspective? Everything is at beetlemoment.com. That's Beetle with two E's. You can follow me on Twitter at Emily Binder. I also am at Beetle Moment there. Instagram, same thing. I've got both handles. And if you go to BeetleMoment.com, I have under the media choice at the, the heading, the podcast and the flash briefing. You can hear samples. You can subscribe. I think the best thing to do is to subscribe to my flash briefing if you just want to get a feel for what I'm working on. And it's so up to date. So it's the freshest content. I've got a voice first blog there as well. EmilyBender.com is my general marketing blog. If you do one thing, subscribe to the flash briefing. You can go there by searching on Amazon under Alexa skills for Beetle Moment Marketing or just go to bit.ly slash Beetle Flash. Awesome. Great. I'll, I'll make sure to put uh, these links in the show notes for this episode. And I'll also mention that uh, Emily's uh, flash briefing is, as she mentioned, uh, one of the uh, initial members of the Briefcast.fm network where we are um, – uh, collecting and curating the best flash briefings that we can find because one of the issues, of course, is discoverability, uh, which we didn't get into, but it is harder to find flash briefings, particularly as the catalog of flash briefings will start to grow on Amazon to really find the good ones. And so hopefully uh, we're providing a service that people will value through the network. And Emily uh, was uh, one. In fact, Emily, I think you were the first one to join the network. So there you go. Shout out to you for that as well. So thank you. I believe in briefcast.fm and anyone out there who has a briefing that's pretty good. If you think so, <laughs> you should submit it. Awesome. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah, I'm always happy to to uh, to take a look at other flash briefings. So again, Emily, thanks so much. I won't uh, take up any more of your time. Uh, we'll put all the links, like I said, in the show notes. And uh, to listeners, you really should check out what Emily's doing because she really is a leader. I know she's being, uh, she's being asked to speak all over the place about voice and marketing. And uh, she's got some really, really valuable content for all of you. So thanks again, Emily. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly enjoyed having that discussion with Emily. It felt like we were two old friends having a, a chat about this hobby that we've had for years. So uh, anyway, a lot of fun. I hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, like I said, Emily is a real leader in this area, and I encourage you to check out what she is doing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention to you is, of course, if you are inspired to create a flash briefing, in addition to Emily providing you some incredible uh, professional advice about the marketing of your brand, I also have created a flash briefing course called Flash Briefing Formula that takes you step-by-step step from the concept to how to design it to whether you should be using your voice or text-to-speech to how to create an audio logo to how to actually record the episodes and upload them to a host and server and uh, how to do some marketing and how to get how to get it out there. So I cover everything from A to Z or A to Z for us here in Canada. Um and you can access that. It's completely free, by the way, completely free course. Uh, it's got about 50 videos. And you can access that at flashbriefingformula.com. So I encourage you to check that out. Once again, the show notes will contain all the links that we're talking about here today. You can access those at alexaincanada.ca slash 67. 
and I look forward to your feedback. Have a wonderful week. I will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening in. Talk to you soon. She's got, she's got skills. skills.